what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.tv. The Mesh is our online network of programs and shows available for you to download and listen to at your convenience on a wide variety of topics. And today's topic, the show we have is Stepping Up Service, where we talk about the world of customer service. This is all about delivering outstanding customer service to clients, uh, patients, visitors, you know, anybody an organization may come into contact with, even with coworkers, the people you work with, and vendors. It's all about building that customer service and service excellence culture that uh, I know many organizations strive for, but maybe have trouble getting there. That's where we're here to help and talk about some of these ideas. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm with the Jackson Group out in Western North Carolina, conducting uh, employee and customer satisfaction surveys across the nation. And with me, my co-host, my partner in crime on this show, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How's it going, Alan? It's doing great. It's doing really, good. really good. I hope, I hope 2015 is off to a good start for you. Yeah, it is. It's exceptionally busy. Uh, I I don't know exactly how it transpired. Sometimes the start of the year can be slow, but we knew we were going to be rolling uh, pretty pretty much by early December. We could tell the first quarter of this year was going to be very busy. So I was actually up in Rhode Island for a few days this week, and the weather actually treated me well. Um, you know, believe it or not, the 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 weather in Charlotte was warmer, uh, or excuse me, cooler than the weather was in Rhode Island when oh, I wow. got there. Really? Huh. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So uh, so it's been a great start to the year. Well, same here. We've been especially busy, and uh, although braving a little bit of a cold spell here where we live, but um, um, it has warmed up. It's a very nice feeling day to day. So that's, that's nice as well. As we're talking about getting started 2015, that's really what we want to talk about today is a little bit of, uh, I guess you could say forecasting, yes. pulling out the crystal ball, Ed. Uh, you're going to play Karnak the, you know, here and kind of help predict what's coming up in the future. Uh, you're going old school. Now. I did go a little Karnak old school. I'm not, none of that Jimmy Fallon stuff for me. We're going back to the originals. Um, <laughs> But the idea is that we're going to talk a little bit about some trends or things that you're forecasting in the world of customer service for the year 2015. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah, this is something we did last year. Uh, we actually did a little bit of a 2014 preview. So we're kind of nice to repeat that for this new year and talk about some of the trends that you're anticipating. Before we continue on with that, just a reminder, Ed's company, Customer Service Solutions, you can learn more about them online at cssamerica.com. That's the letters CSS for Customer Service Solutions. So cssamerica.com for some great blog posts, news articles, uh, links to great, great information, plus just finding out what Ed and his company uh, and the rest of his colleagues do for helping organizations improve their customer service culture. So, Ed, let's jump right into some of these trends, if that's okay with you. Sure. And then when we finish up the, the four items, we'll close the show out with our customer stir- service stories of the month like we always do traditionally on this show. Um, but I really want to hear some of these trends and, and kind of try to think back how they may compare to some of the things we are anticipating over the past year as well. What's, what's some of the first couple you've got for us? Yeah, well, the first one is really interesting. It's a different way to look at business. Uh, The first trend we see for 2015 is that more and more organizations are going to realize that customer service will become the business with products almost being secondary. Hmm. I mean, think think about it like this. Um, Zappos has this wonderful reputation for customer service and and culture, uh, and that's what they're known for. But really, they're just selling shoes. Right. I mean, the, the product is just a shoe. Land's End, this great reputation for customer service, but it's just t 
T-shirts. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just those types of materials. Uh, we, we have a uh, local hardware store here, kind of a, it's not really a mom pop because it's part of the Ace Hardware team, uh, but it's a Blackhawk hardware store. And you go in there and they're just selling plants, they're just selling tools, they're just selling items to grill with, but, but the place is always swamped. And when you go into that place, the prices are definitely a premium, but it's always packed and the customer service is phenomenal. I mean, literally at the end of almost every aisle, you have somebody who has a great attitude, who's practically engaging you. They know what they're talking about. They deliver great customer service. So just to kind of give you an example of what I mean by customer service will become the business. Uh, Alan, just, just kind of name any kind of ubiquitous product out there, some some product you can get in a retail establishment or restaurant-wise type of cuisine. Just just name a product or two for me. Um, uh, flea and tick uh, powder for your dogs. Flea and tick powder for your only dogs. Only because that's on my shopping list before I go home today. So that's the only reason that came up. I'll just go and be honest with you here. So that's, okay. the, that's the product that came into my head. Okay, well, if somebody wanted to start a business with flea and tick collars for <laughs> yeah, their dogs. sure, collars or drops or whatever, any of those Dro- things, yeah. E- excellent. I mean, instead of just saying, where can we get uh, a website set up and where can we find this product at, at a low cost per unit and start selling it on the website, at some point, some company's going to say, how do I create a wonderful customer experience for my clients? Let's see, my clients... Uh, are typically adults and their kids and and they have dogs and people love pets. People seem to treat pets better than they treat family. We've Mm done uh, on one of our podcasts before an example of how our vet greets our pets like like they're the the king or the queen. Whereas when we go into the doctor's office, uh, you know, it's almost like we're a burden to them sometimes and they're having to fill out all this paperwork. So (laughs) if you were to, you were to say, uh, all right, what if instead of us just uh, creating a company to sell the, these collars and tick uh, ointments and things like that. We just wanted to deliver a great service experience for pet owners. Mm-hmm. So we deliver a great service experience and we gather information on our pets and we train our collars uh, on how to really inquire about the pets and get to know them individually. And we start tracking information on individual pets from the pet owners. And we're tr- constantly trying to give them advice or information that would be beneficial to them. And we're just checking in periodically to see how the pet's doing. And oh, by the way, we sell the tick and flea collars. And oh, by the way, we sell these drops. And if you did it from that perspective, how can I really get at the heart of uh, of what great service is about, how to create a great relationship, and then make the product the oh, by the way, the secondary piece? Imagine how successful that company would be versus a company that all they did was try to save you an extra nickel or dime on a flea collar. No, I I totally get it. And I understand that there's going to be some – some people that want the fast, cheap, quick, expedient way, you know, the Amazon.com, the whatever, just give me the best price you can. But I think there's more people out there that want that customer service experience if given the choice. I agree with you on right. that. I think uh, it's almost like we're seeing businesses that sell goods go onto two completely different extremes and everybody in the middle is kind of vanishing away. You've either got your get it on Amazon, have it here tomorrow, pay a pretty good price, but I want it quick, fast, and I don't want to talk to anybody to do it. And then I've got the really true customer service experience of, you know, somebody's going to help me, they're going to listen, they're going to talk, we're going to have a relationship, and I may buy a product from them. And it's almost like if you're in the middle, you just, there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of room for you. You got to get to one or the other in a way to kind of compete on these things. 
Right. And that's real interesting the way you phrase that, because there's a book, and I won't go into details on the book, but uh, it was called The Discipline of Market Leaders, probably came out 15 or 20 years ago. And it said that the, the companies that are the most successful, they don't try to be just good at cost per unit, like an Amazon or Walmart, they don't try to be just good at customer service. They don't try to be just good at product innovation. They find one of those where they can be great. Mm-hmm. And that is what differentiates them. They still try to be good in the other two, but they try to find one thing to hang their hat on. Yeah. And we think more and more and more businesses are going to try to hang their hat on customer service. And when they're thinking about their business, they almost make the product secondary. It's how can we deliver a great customer experience? How can we develop relationships with our clients. How do we do that? And then how do we bring the product into the mix as a part of that relationship? I love it. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's a a trend I'm absolutely looking forward to personally. So that's great to hear. Great. The second one, very different. Let's say you're dealing with a company, you have a certain issue. You know, a lot of times in customer service today, we're talking about self-service. You know, you go to your local grocery store and you can check yourself out. There's all these different ways to do it. Which I hate, by the way. I'm going to go ahead and go on record. I do not like the self-service checkout. No, I do not. And and, uh, just out of curiosity, why is that? Well... I think in theory, it's okay. It just never works the way the theory should work. I mean, it, it should be less. It almost seems like it's more work on me and less oh. work on the staff, which the idea is I don't see my prices going down. So I mm-hmm. understand why I'm now having to do more work than I would have done beforehand. So that's my thing. It's just, if I feel like I'm being made to do more and there's not yeah. really a direct benefit to me doing more, Yes. Um, I think the process takes just as long, if not longer, because I'm still trying to read the screen and figure out the buttons and all. So that's my whole thing. Uh, there's no benefit to putting more of the workload on me to handle those things. Yeah. And that's interesting because that kind of goes back to the first point where you would say, you know, some people care all about customer service. Other people care all about the cost mm-hmm. and those customers. And so you're one of those folks who likes to avoid those lines. If I have five, six, seven items, and the other lines are long, I, I prefer to go through those lines. Okay. And especially if my daughter's with me, because she likes to run the credit card, and she yeah. likes to make the thing ding. And, you know, sure. it's kind of part of that part of the experience. So no, uh, different strokes it, for different folks, you know, yes. it's all good. So. so we'll see if you actually like my second trend okay. that I'm bringing out here. This is called uh, customer service will be able to customers, excuse me, will do self-service on issue resolution. Okay, so, you're gonna have to yeah. explain this to me. Okay, here. Okay. Well, let's say uh, you have to return an item. Yeah. All right. So you're you're returning an item uh, instead of you having to call a bunch of people and then you are um, having to figure out what the whole process and policy is and it's it's a big hassle. Lands End, for example, when you order a product, they send you a return label and they tell you what that particular uh, return process is. So okay. if you want to return it. Uh, you want to address it yourself instead of chasing it down. You could do that. That might be one version of it where the company's being proactive. Another version where it really gets into choice. You know, you have multiple solutions, potentially multiple potential remedies, especially for a lot of the standard issues. I think companies are going to start looking at things and saying, OK, if you need to do a return, you can go to the website and they're going to give you options. Do you want to print your own label? Would you like to request a return envelope? Would you like to contact uh, the the customer service call center and have them set up a pickup at your particular house. So it puts ownership of how the issue is resolved in the hands of the customer. I see. So the so, idea being is that you're you're even by sending along a return label, like in the first example you gave. Yes. 
you're almost calling more attention to the fact that, yes, you as a customer, you can exchange this and it's very easy to do. And I'm giving you the tools already to do it just in case, right? Yes. Yes. But by doing that, that's the tone of a, a good customer service focused company where they're already anticipating if this is something the client has to do, I'm going to go ahead and make it as easy as possible for them to do it themselves. Right. Okay. Yeah. And when you think about companies that would do what Land's End does, Land's End's a company where since they have so much of the ordering done without people actually trying on the clothes, they know they're going to get a certain percentage of returns as it is. You don't want to encourage returns, but if you know if it's part of the business, you want to make that return experience, that issue resolution experience as easy and simple as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I give you another – go ahead now. No, I was going to say I, I get it. I really do. And, and, and again – I know some companies are probably a little skittish about the idea of making it so easy to, for example, exchange a product sure. or return a product or get a refund. But I guess it's the whole thing is you got to remember is that that effort, that visual symbol of that company going over and above to make it as easy for you, the consumer, to do the things you need to do if you need to return a product, that has a much longer impact on the way that customer views your company. So – even though some people may think, well, I'm just making it so easy for them to return. They're just going to return things left and right. Mm-hmm. Well, they may, but I guess what we're saying here is that the end result is still a gain positive for the company from reputation and repeat business and everything else. Yeah, we actually – and I, I, if I knew we were going down this discussion, I probably would have pulled up the study. But I want to say it was 10, 12 years ago, there was a study done on Land's End. And it was done by Land's End, excuse me, on their own clients. And they were looking at what are, were essentially invalid returns where people in some way were trying to cheat the company out of uh, you know the purchase cost to be able to utilize the, the outfit or item for whatever period of time. And they analyzed – that loss versus the loss that they would have if they had a tighter return policy because their their customer loyalty would have been less, their brand would have been uh, impacted if they were just like a lot of the other online retailers. And they looked at the, the cost benefit of it and said, you know, we need to keep this a little bit more open, a little bit more free, a little bit easier return policy because that is half That's a large part of the reason why we have such uh, strong loyalty and repeat business from our existing clients. That's great. Yeah. So it it could be a little dangerous for some people to make it that easy for customers to do their own work with your business. But the end result is it's a much stronger gain in the long run for sure. Right. And when we talk about this self-service for issue resolution, it's not just that we're – conveying to customers and educating them that they can do a return, for example. But it's also if there is an issue, then there might be some different options. You know, for example, uh, if you do have to make a return, like I said, you could go online and it might give you three options. You can either print your own label, you can request a return envelope or request uh, that they go ahead and get on the phone with you with a customer service agent and, and schedule some kind of pickup. If it's a lack of response to email, you could go to a website and you might get the option, would you like a call from the manager? Uh, would you like to get uh, an email with some different potential answers to your question via chat or some other means? I mean, they actually give you different methods to get your issue resolved uh, instead of forcing you to go into whatever particular channel is most efficient for them. So so instead of just here's the you have to call this 1-800 number and then, of course, you get there and it's a – uh, a difficult tele- telephone system or you got to be put on hold for a while, it's really letting them know, how do you want to get this issue resolved? Would you right. rather do it through an online chat? Okay, well, here's an option for that. If you'd rather do it through email, here's a way to do that. 
uh, if you want to come by the store, here's where we are. You know, it's just right. giving them the options, I guess you're saying. Right. And the idea is that with the proliferation of Yelp, of Angie's List, you know, we have the Better Business Bureau, we have all BizRate, all these rating systems that are out there on the web and otherwise. The last thing that the company wants to do is to get an angry customer commenting on one of those sites instead of going to them directly. So anything you can do to enable the customer to come to you and resolve the issue through your organization instead of having to go elsewhere, uh, the better chance you have that that brand is positive uh, in the broader community, but also that relationship is strong with that individual client. I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. so far we're hearing that first trend customer service will be the business, which I like that a lot. That's something I'm really yes. excited to hear. Secondly, customers will be able to do their own issue resolution and kind of a little bit of their own self-service for dealing with, uh, returns and problems or issues that they're needing to have resolved, finding it and making it as easy and adaptable for that customer to take care of things in the way that they prefer to get them taken care of. That's exactly right. Great. Ed, we're going to take a quick little break and then we'll come back and we'll uh, finish up with our other two trends and predictions for 2015 in the world of customer service. This is Stepping Up Service with Alan Jackson and Ed Gagnon. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello and welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. With me, Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. And we are right smack dab in the middle of talking about trends or predictions for 2015 in the world of customer service. A repeat of something we did last year for 2014. And we had just finished our first two, making customer service become the business and then uh, customers able to handle their own issue resolution and the means that they desire to do so as being the first two trends. Ed, let me toss it back over to you. What, what's the third trend you see for this coming year? Well, the third trend is that employees are going to begin to realize that their ability to communicate and satisfy customers is going to be their ticket to stardom. Let me just give you an example. I have a friend I've worked with for years and years and in a role that's relatively new to him. He's only been in this role for maybe about two years now. Uh, He's a, a consultant and he's in the healthcare industry. He's a consultant and the types of work he does includes working with a lot of you know, well-educated, very talented people in the healthcare industry, doctors, uh, scientists, researchers. I mean, these are his clients. Mm-hmm. But he is not a doctor, a scientist, uh, or a researcher. He is an industrial engineer. Okay. Uh, however, in the group that he works in, all of his peers, all of his coworkers are doctors, scientists, and researchers. Mm-hmm. All right, so you kind of get the idea of who he's working with uh, within his team and then who his clients are. Um Despite the fact that he's an industrial engineer working with these folks, he's nowhere near as clinically knowledgeable, technically knowledgeable as his clients or even his coworkers. He is by far the most popular consultant in his group. And he's kind of was a little bit surprised at first. All these major projects that were coming in, the most important projects coming in were being routed to him. 
because the clients loved him. And and what they realized is the reason why they loved him was that he was an incredible communicator. He was incredibly responsive. When issues came up, he knew how to get people in the room or get them on the conference call and keep the emotions down and focus on the issue and move it toward a solution. And even though from a technical clinical standpoint, he wasn't as well educated as everybody else, he was the kind of person who could bring consensus together, who could get along well with people, he could develop relationships. And that's why in his current role, he is a star. And it's not a star because of the technical ability. It's because of his ability to communicate and to satisfy customers. I could not agree more, Ed. I think that is an awesome, awesome thing to be talking about because you're so right. And and we see it. Honestly, I see it on a much even broader scale than even just in the business world. But I think it's the most prominent there. Uh, with so many venues for communication, getting information, I do believe that it's the people who can make that communication happen as effectively as possible and bringing everybody together are going to be the ones that are really the linchpins for a lot of things that we need, especially in the business world. I've always said that I thought, you know, governors, mayors, presidents of the United States, their number one assets has to be that they can communicate to people and bring yes. people together because you've got all the technical people around you. You've got all the operational people around you. You've got to be that guy who can bring everything together, help people see the big picture, see the vision and get them there. So it's the yes. same idea in the business world. If you can communicate, you really can write your own ticket. You know, if you, if you have that skill set. And that's why when we're working with different clients and so many of them come into training, especially if it's a workshop on service excellence or something like that, we see a lot of them that come in, especially in the IT world, for example, and they say, you know, why are we here? Why is this important to us? And by the end, most of them get it. At least they understand it, even if they're not great at it. But they understand that so much about being successful is not just knowing how to code, knowing how to program, knowing the clinical and technical details, but it's being able to communicate about that product, about that client with your peers, with your coworkers, with your vendors, and ultimately with your clients. No, absolutely. I think that's great. And that's really important message for people to hear, you know. The technical skills, the experts' uh, attributes you've got are great, and those are needed in different roles, absolutely. But uh, the ones who can communicate, the ones who can share that message and get people together on the same page is such a such a strong skill. It really yes. is. Great. Yeah. All right, well, Ed, what's the last one you've got to share with us? Yeah, the fourth and final one is based on this concept of inside out. And the concept of inside out uh, is becoming a key way organizations describe how they achieve high performance. High performance externally begins with a healthy culture internally. So inside out means if you want to be a high performing organization, you have got to look inside the organization first. You can't just say we need to do A, B, and C to have a better client experience. You need to start by saying we need to, a, we need to do A, B, and C to have the kind of culture, the kind of environment, the kind of people, the kind of attitudes, the kind of mindset internally to deliver the kind of performance we're looking for externally. And if you look at some of the companies that are highly, highly successful, I mean, you look at the Disney's of the world, you look at the Chick-fil-A's of the world, the, again, the Zappos, you know, granted the, the, the Disney, it has a great experience at the theme park, but they always talk about the Disney experience and seeing the quote cast members and the mm -hmm. cast members are not just literally the person being Cinderella. It's literally that person getting your ice cream together in the ice cream shop. You know, Chick-fil-A, the food is good. It's good chicken. But it's kind of pricey. But people who go to Chick-fil-A because it's just an incredibly unique culture that you're dealing with, an incredibly consistent experience, 
when you're interacting with them. And we've already talked about Zappos. Zappos, the concept that you know these are folks who are uh, it's an organization that's ex- exceptionally helpful. Excuse me, exceptionally successful. Uh, but they're ex- exceptionally successful because they know their core values. They live their core values. The core values of the company are, in essence, core values of the founder and the CEO. So they realize that those core values and that culture help to drive their performance. Yeah, I, that sounds great. And it's a great kind of a catch-all here for the last one because it really does speak to everything that needs to be do- going on is that it really needs to be start on the inside. And you're so right. I mean, we've, we've had many episodes we've talked about in the past about how do you build that customer service culture in your organization. So if anybody's anxious and kind of looking for some ideas and suggestions, there's a lot of episodes back in our, our uh, back catalog. You can go back to and listen to at any time about doing that. But it is so, so true. I mean, we can all detect when we're in the presence of a company where customer service is not really part of their internal culture and they're trying to force it on an external side. And it doesn't, it's obvious, it doesn't work as well, and it's just not quite the same experience. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Alan. And when you think about how these four different future trends uh, result in, in kind of an overriding theme, you could realize that we started out by talking about customer service and that really being the business. But what makes up customer service? Well, you have the tough issues you have to deal with, which was in the second topic. The third topic is the employees dealing with those issues, delivering that service. And then it kind of gets to the culture. So we started externally with the customer experience, but really we ended with with where success starts in organizations. And that's with the organizational culture. That's great. I think that's a, I really love all four of these. I think these are great trends. Trends I'm excited to see us moving towards uh, in the coming year because you can already see all of them happening and becoming even more and more important on a daily basis. Yes. Ed, we we always wrap up our show with our customer service stories of the month, kind of an experience or encounter that we've had in the last month that we could be positive or negative. Uh, Do you have one to share with us this month? Yeah, sure do, and it's positive. Great. Awesome, because mine is not. So (laughs) always good to balance it out a little bit. Sure. Would you like me to go first? Why don't you go on first? That'd be fine. Okay. Well, this is a story, and and it's uh, kind of a compilation of multiple interactions I've had with this person. But this is a person who works with a company that we pay invoices to. So, uh, you know, this is an organization um, that uh, is one where they send the invoice Based on what it says, we obviously make payments. The person I'm talking about is their finance person. And it's interesting because occasionally these invoices that we have to pay uh, are not correct or they're not complete or there's certain errors on them. And, And the person who is sending me the invoice is basically putting the information on the invoice that he's getting from other folks. So he, he's kind of in the middle. He's not mm-hmm. the one necessarily causing the, the items that need to be corrected. Uh, and when you're in that position where you're hearing a complaint or you're hearing an issue and you didn't cause the issue, it is very easy to get defensive. Oh, yeah, it's sure. Very easy to say, hey, it's not my fault. It's very mm-hmm. easy to point fingers at others. But what is very consistent about this, this individual is he's never defensive mm-hmm. in any of his verbal or written communication. He never blames others. He may explain what had happened, but it's not in a blame orientation. When I send emails, whether it's a question or it's an issue, he's incredibly responsive. Rarely does the email get responded uh, 24 hours later. It's usually same day or first thing the next day. Uh, if there is an issue, he doesn't just 
uh, investigated internally, he immediately tells you that he's about to investigate it. So he's noting what the next steps are, if it's going to take a while to resolve. He explains what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, he's obviously good at communicating via, e via email because uh, he does have that respectful tone. So if you think about it, this is kind of the middleman. He, he's the person between the individual who, if you want to say, caused the issue uh, and then the person on the other end. But that lack of control over others uh, does not keep him from delivering great service, even in service recovery situations. Uh, I think that's really, really admirable. And I mean, I almost look at some of those people, those, those people who are interfacing with the customer, but yet they're not the ones that maybe cause problems behind the scenes, but they've got to be the interface for it. Yes. Yeah, you almost look at it like a waiter in a wa in a restaurant, you know, oh, uh, good point. when the food comes out, if the food wasn't cooked good, well, the waiter didn't really have anything to do with that. But the waiter is normally going to be the one that gets the blunt of it. Right. And you don't want to have a waiter that says, well, I mean, the cook must have just screwed this up. No, the, the, the waiters to take the take it, you know, kind of take responsibility for it for the restaurant and make it right. And uh, I always think that's an admirable job when it's done really well, because it's got to be a very, very thick skin to know that even something that somebody else did completely botched up something, you've still got to be the interface with that customer about it and put on a good face for it. So, yeah. And that waiter example is a great example. Yeah. It's kind of the way we've talked a little bit about some of our, uh, even our project managers and our IT staff here when we do surveys. We have a project manager that interfaces with the client. We have IT staff that's responsible for the data production and the reporting. You know, that project manager, though, is the one that if the client's not happy about something, that project manager is the one that hears it. So yes. we, we have to remind everybody that it is a symbiotic relationship, but yet everybody needs to play their positive role, even if it wasn't really their fault in the end of the day. So, Yes. Well, Ed, my, my story is a little bit less of a story and more of a rant. And it's just a rant that's kind of, <laughs> you know, and I think our studio engineer here, Chris, is going to be able to sympathize with me on this quite a bit because and it's just something that's come into focus the last couple of times I've been to this certain establishment. But I'm talking about my local multiplex movie theater. It's a situation where it's one of the big chain movie theaters. They've got, what, 12, 14, 15 screens or something. It's the one big theater in town that we have. And, you know, it's where you go if you want to see your brand new movies. You don't really have many other options here in the little town we live in. Um, and it's one that's changed a little bit in recent years and not for the better. I've never been a huge fan of this multiplex just because it's normally staffed with a bunch of people who really don't know anything about movies. They're just there to pull the, pull the handle on the soft drink dispenser and print out the tickets. And, you know, that's fine. But they've made some changes in this theater. And I'm sure it's some, I know there's business reasons for making these changes, but it does not make me like them anymore. For example, you used to be able to come from the outside of the building and there'd be a box office on the outside. That's where you line up to get your tickets. Then once you've got your ticket, you're good to go on in. If you want to get refreshments, you can hop in the refreshment line inside and then stand in line for that. Well, I guess in a cost savings and also in a way of hoping to get people to buy more refreshments, Everybody's now forced to go inside to the refreshment stand lines to buy their tickets and or the refreshments. Oh, wow. So basically, you have to stand in line to get your ticket behind everybody, whether they're buying popcorn drinks or anything else or not. Wow. So in other words, there's no bypassing the, the refreshments line, no matter what. That's huge, huge irritation for me. And it, to me, it just... It may seem like a little bit of a petty thing, but it, to me, it really speaks about the mentality of customer service. There had to have been somebody in this organization when they made this change thinking to themselves, you know what? This is going to be a little more inconvenience for a lot of our customers. I've got to think somebody was thinking that, but yet nobody acted on it or said, 
we can't do this because this is going to really irritate a lot of customers. Um, I get it. You know, if you stand in line to get your ticket, maybe while you're standing there, you see the popcorn on the aisle, you see the drinks, and you think, well, fine, I'll go ahead and get a popcorn to drink. It's a money deal. They make their money from the refreshments. I get that as well. But it's just the inconvenience. I mean, and you can just hear it groaning from everybody who's ever going in the theater now. I hear it all the time. I'm out there. Why in the world do we have to stand in this long line behind a bunch of people buying refreshments when all I want to do is buy my movie ticket and that's it? Wow. Uh, and it's even a pain, too, if you buy your movie ticket online, which you know a lot of people are doing. It used to be, again, you go to the ticket line, you show them your online ticket, or you give them your card, and you're good to go. Now, even if you buy a ticket online, you've still got to go through the longer concession line to get there. That, to me, it's a rant. It's not really a story, because even though I've been to the movie theater in the last month, I mean, this has been going on for over a year or two now. But as we talk about delivering the best experience to customers – and knowing, especially in the movie theater business, you've got so many more options of where you can go to get movies now, staying yes. in your own home and watching it within a couple of months. I hope these theaters know what they're doing if they're doing things that are going to push more and more of their customers away because these customers do have other options more and more every single day now. And uh, they can't cl- claim to be the only game in town anymore. So anyway, uh, yeah. a little bit more of a rant as opposed to a story, but it did happen to me in the last month where I got really irritated about it. So, Well, even though it's a rant instead of a story, like you say, really, in a lot of ways, it's a very helpful story for any business because it's the lesson learned of don't put barriers between your customer and the product right. that you're ultimately wanting to sell and don't ignore uh, the competitors out there. It's not just people exactly like you. In the case of a movie theater, your competitor is that television in somebody's home or it's that tablet sitting on their lap. And uh, don't think that if it, for every nickel you save in your customer experience or your processes uh, that you're going to save a full nickel. You could save a nickel in your process and you could cost yourself a dollar in terms of sales because of the poor experience. So it really seems like a myopic decision-making process, like you're saying, that led them to do something like that. I think so, too. And it was just really disappointing when they made that change. And then and then the movie theater in, in general, I mean, if you're not making it an experience, if you're not really focusing on that customer service, then I really am fearful for the big multiplex theater business because I just don't think they get it most of the times. It's Let's yeah. hire a bunch of people that we can get at you know, pretty low weight rages just to dispense popcorn and drinks and print out tickets and tear tickets. But we're not going to focus on an experience and making people feel welcomed and making it easy for them to get inside and all that. That's where uh, my fear is for that, for that industry. Yes. All right. Well, we always have balanced stories, Alan. Yeah. We always have a positive and a negative. So I guess that's good. We get we allow people to see the, the good that's still out there and then the room for improvement that makes this podcast important. Well, we always need the room for improvement. And I think if anything else, if people can listen to these stories, understand that these are stories Ed and I bring up because these personally affect us as consumers. We are consumers just like everybody else out there. So these are things that really do either upset consumers or makes consumers really, really happy. So these are things, you know, these stories are not just to share a story and kind of be humorous about it or or kind of tell a personal antidote. They really are saying these are things that truly do impact customers positive or negatively. So I hope everybody remembers that in their own business or organization 
and dealing with one another as well. So, and I think uh, it's a good topic. It's a good discussion today. You feel good about it? Yeah, I do. And and I uh, hope that people will take this food for thought. Think about their culture. Think about as an individual how well they communicate and and think about issue resolution and do we have to force everybody through our issue resolution process or are there some options we can give our clients and have people think about if I was to create this company from scratch around a certain product and I was to design it to be great at customer service, how would it really look different than it does today? If they ask themselves those questions, maybe they can leverage some of these customer service trends we just talked about to make their business better. That uh, sounds great. Uh, I, I echo your sentiments there. Absolutely. Yeah. So this has been Stepping Up Service here on the TV. My name is Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. You can learn more about the work that we do at the Jackson Group on employee and customer satisfaction surveys and consulting on those surveys. Learn more about us at www.thejacksongroup.com. And then Ed's company, Customer Service Solutions, you can learn more about him at cssamerica.com. Find out the work his firm's been doing for many years, helping organizations really improve their customer service culture. And again, there's a lot of great resources on his website with news and blog posts and email newsletters and everything else with a lot of great information. And the, the email newsletter your company puts out every so often, I still find myself reading quite a bit. I don't subscribe to a whole lot of email newsletters, but you've got some good information, good articles and good posts in yours that you send out. So appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. What's neat uh, is when we look at the numbers of people who open it, it's usually at a certain level. Uh, but when we look at the numbers of how much they routed to their friends, to their coworkers, I mean, literally, it's uh, typically about five, seven or eight fold. Uh, so wow. it's it's nice that our folks are reading it, but it's wonderful that they're literally sharing it on average with five seven, eight different people every week. That is great. That is really yes. nice. Good. Well, and if you want to learn a, bit, a little bit more about The Mesh as a network, you can find out uh, more about the shows and everybody else available on The Mesh Network at themesh.tv. And from there, you can find the Stepping Up Service show. You can go back in time and listen to any of the past episodes you'd like to. But I also would recommend we've got a couple other business-related shows out there, too. Leadership GPS talks all about the world of leadership and becoming a better leader in an organization. Uh, we've got a show called Entrepreneur Exchange, which is uh, really talking about the do's and don'ts and things to keep in mind as you're starting up a brand-new business with a lot of great ideas and different small businesses highlighted there as well. And, of course, there's a lot of shows that are not business-related, just a lot of fun. Chick Chat, Foot Candle Films. Uh, Education Matters, uh, just a nice variety of different shows we're putting out on a regular basis. We encourage you to go check out and listen for free or go on to Apple iTunes and find a show, give it a star rating and leave a review if you'd like as well. We appreciate all the feedback we can get. So we're going to wrap it up for today's show. This has been Stepping Up Service. Uh, Ed, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, enjoyed it, Alan. All right. We'll look forward to seeing everybody next month. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.